The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. Good morning, guys. It's so good to see you all here. Uh, how are you doing? Good, 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 good. You know, it, the, just this past week, I, I kind of took a step back and was thinking, you know, the amount of people, the number of people that have walked through these doors, uh, when, even when we started in the theater and now, and so many. And it's so humbling to be uh, a part of this. Oftentimes, I feel like I'm not really supposed to be the person here, whether I'm singing or talking. Um, uh, quite inadequate. I know most of you have gone before me. And and, and there are times, I, I know you can relate in my life, where my faith is just really strong. And then there are times where it feels like I'm crawling. And, and the only thing that keeps me going is the past momentum of my faith in, in, in days or months and years past. And it's hard sometimes to walk through life, especially when there's changes, when there's transitions in these chapters of life. And, and, and you know, I, I like to look at other people uh, to get inspired, you know, aside from looking at God, but, you know, some tangible um, examples. And there are a lot of people out there today that are good examples of what you could be. Um, and then there are a lot of <laughs> examples that you probably shouldn't be, right? And, uh, you know, for some, it may be as close as somebody like your father or your mother or a grandma, and you aspire to, to, to follow in their ways some of the characteristics that they have. And for others, it may, maybe it's an author or a humanitarian or a rock star or whatever. Um, and then there's the Bible too, right? And you, you look at the Bible, and you ever feel like these guys, they're these heroes of faith, they're, they're larger than life. And it kind of is depressing sometimes. It makes it in, a little inaccessible. You look at Moses, he's kind of like, more like George Washington than he's like me. Or, um, or, or the story of Joseph, this incredible story. And he ends up running this country, the most powerful, second most powerful man in the empire. Um, or nowadays, like Richard Branson, you know, who, who manages, he's this economist guy who manages to turn money out of anything. <laughs> I, I didn't get that DNA. I don't, I don't know. I'm missing that. Um, <laughs> I know a few people that have that. But, <laughs> and, but okay, and then there's like uh, David, and we're all like David. Have, have you been told before, you know, you, we're like David? Uh, honestly, I don't, I haven't slayed a giant, and I don't play the harp. Any of you have done that recently? Okay, see, so again, <laughs> and then there's somebody like Esther, ladies, if you know the story of Esther, you kind of want her to be a, um, you know, a real normal, sort of average-looking girl, woman, but she's not. She's gorgeous. She's this, this it says in the Bible, she was this beautiful woman with, with, with a, 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 just tons of gifts that God blessed her with. Did they have to add that? And then they just said, you know, she's like a woman, nondescript. Again, <laughs> there's a disconnect. Um, and, and it's hard, I, I think, sometimes to relate to these people. It may, it may feel like you're quite inadequate. Oftentimes, I feel like that. Yet, I think the most extraordinary acts in life are the ones that we're actually entirely unaware of, the ones that are most important and necessary. You look at the band, uh, like Josh on the drums, and he's kind of going to town, and he's, he's having fun, and he's good at it. Right? And, but he's also a welder, and, and he builds stuff, something I definitely cannot do. And, and then there's, like, uh, Garrett, you know, who, who uh, Cameron, Anthony, um, they're good at what they do, and, and they're, they're talented. You know, Cameron, he's, he's youth director right now. I don't know if you knew that. And, and, and he's, he works up at Hunter Liggett. 
leading worship, and then he has his voice that girls tend to swoon over, and it's like, oh, he's got all these things going for him. And, and, but none of us, I would say, w- would say, man, Kevin's doing an awesome job on the sound because he's back there, right? And, and, and what we see is up here on the stage. By the way, just a side note. Um, I know some of you may be thinking you're not artistic or you're not talented, you're not creative, and you might not be able to play or sing or dance, but you're not uncreative. You may be uncoordinated, (laughs) but you're not uncreative. (laughs) And creativity really does span the full human spectrum of human gifting. And and this morning, I want to tell you, if you feel like you're not then come talk to me. I, I, I can promise you that there is something inside of you that is so valuable to this world, and God is waiting to, to unleash that inside of you. But the truth of the matter is we're taught to focus on the person who's here, who's public, right? And, and I, I think there are a lot of Camerons, and there, there's, there's Josh's, but most of us are more like Kevin. There are a lot of Kevins. We're behind the scenes, and we're, this, we, we're talented, and we're crafted to do something, but it's, it's behind the scenes. And... and I mean, the only time most people would notice is, like, if it sounded really bad. And, it, like, the feedback's like, oh, who's doing sound today? I think it was Tony. No, it wasn't Tony. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I wonder, I wonder if you feel that way. The only time you're recognized is when you make a mistake. And I have this sense in, for a lot of people, it's like that when they work. You know, that you do your job, and, and you do a good job, but you don't get much affirmation. You don't get much praise. You're doing your job. They're paying you to do your job. And, and, but when you mess up, everybody knows you exist, including the people you don't want to know exist that day, right? A lot of times when we mess up, a lot of times we're in the boss's office only if we mess up, or only if we do something wrong. But I, what I want to talk about this morning is the individuals that... that could be easily overlooked or ignored, but an event would not happen the way it did unless they were there. And I think that's most of humanity. So this morning, I want to spend some time in John 6. It's a passage of scripture that you're very familiar with, especially if you grew up uh, believing in Jesus. So it's John 6. We're going to begin in verse 1. And I want to look at a character that's often forgotten. Uh, the, The verse will be on the screens as well. So John 6, verse 1, Some time after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him. Well, he had already in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a single bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? It goes on, verse 10. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. 
After the people saw this, the miracul- saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they had intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Now, I know you know this story, right? Uh, but I don't want to focus on Jesus, who's obviously the hero and, and, and does the miracle, or not even the disciples. I, I want to look at the little kid, the little boy in this story, who really doesn't get much credit, but the story would not have happened the way it did unless he was there. And I, and I think in life we aspire to be like Jesus and, and, and to live like him, but the reality is we're more like this little kid. This anonymous little kid who probably felt like he was caught in this moment and, and it was completely inadequate uh, and, and could be easily ignored and overlooked. I think we feel like this kid with just the five loaves and two fishes and here we have these lives and God's inviting us to a, 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 hu- a colossal problem, a challenge, and, and we feel like God's saying, here's 5,000, how are you going to feed? And we don't know what to do. We feel like all we have are five loaves and two fish. And in life, we, we underestimate the importance of presence, the power of proximity, of just, just being present, being, being in a moment, and, and being there. So often, uh, we're disconnected. Now, this kid, it doesn't say much about him. Um, it just says that there's 5,000 people, probably more, because they only counted the men back then. So maybe more like 10,000, perhaps even more. Have you ever been in a crowd uh, who's trying to get to somebody prestigious, uh, you know, accidentally been in a crowd, if there's like Bono or Lady Gaga or some, some movie star or something. And growing up in New York, I, you'd see it all the time, so that's why New Yorkers kind of don't really pay attention to other people anymore. <laughs> it's, it's, they don't really care. <laughs> but, but there's this crowd that just develops. And now Jesus was getting known for his miracles. He was becoming well-known for his miracles. So these people are following him. They heard about him, and they're pressing in on him. They want to get close enough to get a miracle. And, and, and Jesus turns to his disciples and says, you've got to feed him. The guy that's doing the miracles tells the other guy to feed him. And uh, somehow this little kid gets to the front, or close enough where the disciples notice him. I, I really believe in life that we underestimate the importance of presence. I underestimate the importance of presence. The, the power of proximity. And oftentimes, even if we are in a place, we're so connected nowadays, we're actually disconnected from the actual moment because we're on the phone or we're emailing or texting or tweeting or updating my Facebook. Look, this is what, look what I'm doing. This is what I'm wearing. This is what I'm eating. And, and, and we miss the value of the very moment that's very, right in front of us. You, you ever notice how difficult it is maybe this is just me, to, to sit in one place, to have dinner, to have a real honest conversation. Even better, when you open the Bible and everything else comes flooding into your mind. You remember the 19 other things that you were supposed to do that day that you forgot about, right? You, gotta, uh, you forgot to go to the store and get this, and then you forgot this email that you're supposed to do, and you have to call this person. And, and, and you get past one or two verses of Scripture, and then your mind is just gone. And you're in 12 different directions. And then we start to wonder... Why our relationships with each other, with God, are stale, boring, unfulfilling? Watch this video with me. I think this guy uh, illustrates it well. I got a, got a big butt. It's gigantic, if I'm going to be blunt about it. And you know what? The funny thing is, I got several big butts. 
And, and, and before you before you discard me or, or wince at the disgusting notion of that, I'm going to go out on a limb here and suggest that possibly you have at least one big butt as well. Yeah, you like that? Hurts a little, huh? Let me tell you something. Let me just tell you something, okay? Everybody we know has a big butt. And more often than not, it's the thing that actually gets in the way of us living a consistent life for Jesus. Yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to expound a little bit, okay? See if you can recognize some of these butts. But I have to work more. But my favorite TV show is on. But my kids have practice. But I got to tweet something. But it's such a beautiful day. But I'm just not in the mood. But I deserve a break today. You see, everything kind of interferes with my life of, of just living an authentic life for God, okay? And more often than not, it always has something to do with some sort of butt, okay? Even the littlest of butt can distract me. It really can. The littlest butt can make me think, well, I'm not going to pray today. I'm not going to think about it today. I'm not going to deny myself. I'm not going to read the Bible, blah, blah, blah. Whatever God asks me to do, I seem to have a butt for it and get away, okay? And the most horrendously big butt of all time is the butt that gets in the way of me just hanging out with God and reading his word. It's true. Think about it. All the times you're about to open that, and all of a sudden a big giant butt gets in the way. A butt, much like one of these. But I got a farm bill, but I'm tired, but the game's over, but I read last Tuesday, but I gotta check Facebook, but I don't like Leviticus, but it's too hot in here, but I, I just don't like books, but I don't understand it, but it's boring. But what does that have to do with me in the 21st century? Those are some ugly butts, people. Let's just call them what they are, ugly. Ugly butts. Okay, and there's a lot more to them, sad but true. Here's a list, although not exhaustive, of some of the most popular butts known to mankind. But I don't have enough money yet. But others will think that I'm a nerd if I carry the Bible. But they won't like me if I talk about Jesus. But I don't know if God will do what I ask. But I just can't get motivated. But I'm afraid. But I don't have all the answers. But the small group is the same night as Monday Night Football. But can I just let my life speak for itself? But I'm not happy. But that's not my gift. But that's the pastor's job. But I don't know how to pray. But I can't believe that. But I don't know where to start. But everybody else is having fun. Butts abound, friend. But, 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 but. Here a but, there a but. Everywhere a but, but. Okay? And, and, and the most overused but of all time, but I just don't have enough time. Really? Oh, come on. We have a lot of buts. God has given us a real simple word. Okay? If we learn it and we share it and we teach it and we live by it, then see, God gets glorified, people benefit, and then we get blessed. That's why we do what we do. That's the why behind the but. Okay? And ultimately, that's the whole point I'm trying to make here, my fellow butt lovers, is if your butt is bigger than your why, then your butt's too big. Okay, it's time to, metaphorically speaking, snap into a slim gym. Okay, let's slap on some spiritual shape-ups and hit the road a little bit so we can just manage the butts a little bit. That's all we're trying to do. That's what we're talking about. Let's minimize the excuses. Let's shrink the butts. Shrink the butts. Say it with me. Shrink the butts. That's what we need to do. And you and I can do that together. We can conquer this. You and I can do it if we start today, okay? I know we can. Let's just do it. No ifs, ands, or... Yeah. I think you get it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So what's your butt? How big is your butt? <laughs> so, so many times in life, I, I think God doesn't use us because we're just so far away from him. There's so many other things that, that fight for our attention. But the fact is the most important thing you and I can do in our lives is to, to have a fulfilling, to have a connected relationship with God. To make sure that we're walking with the creator of the universe. Because if you're way down there when God needs somebody to solve something, when God needs to use somebody, it's not going to be you. He won't pick you. Not because you're not resourced, not because you're not talented enough, not because you don't have enough money, not because you don't have enough connection, education. It's simply because you're too far away. Uh, and 
in life, we need to figure out exactly where we need to be. And where we need to be is where God is. That's it. So beyond, beyond this proximity thing, right, you've got to be present, um, is, is another dynamic I want to highlight in this story, and I think it's opportunity. So this kid was close to Jesus, close enough to him and the disciples, but I, I highly doubt that he thought that morning there would be a giant hunger need and decided to pack a lunch for it, right? I will feed the masses because I think there's going to be a... No, he didn't know any of that. I, I love the fact that he's completely under-resourced. But, so look at this progression. Jesus looks up. He sees this great crowd coming toward him. He says to Philip, we need to feed him. How are you going to do that? And he said this only to test him, right? He already knew what he was going to do. So all Philip had to do was really step into faith and, and, and see this as an opportunity that Jesus was going to use him. Uh, but he didn't, as oftentimes I don't, as oftentimes I think most of us don't. Uh, he goes on with the logical thing, right? Well, we have eight months wages, and, and that actually won't buy enough even for everyone to have one bite. I wonder what God is, what is asking of you this morning, of me this morning, and we keep rationalizing it and saying, no, God, I, I can't do that because this is why. Um, clearly, Philip knew how much they had in the copper. I think he was a smart guy. He was maybe a little bit of a math dude. And, and so he's thinking, okay, we have eight months' salary. We have 10,000 people to feed. There's no way, Jesus, that this is going to work. It just, it just can't work. Uh, and I think maybe what Jesus was trying to get him to do, what he, Jesus is trying to get us to do is to look at what we have, but then to look beyond what we have to him and, and to realize that he can do it. And, and okay, God, this is my idea. This is, this is what I have. But I know that through you, you can do much more. Uh, oftentimes, we, we, we see problems in life, but we don't see the solutions. We don't see the opportunities, right? We see crisis, but not possibility. And I see this all the time. I'm sure you do as well. People think they're a genius just for seeing the problem. No. That doesn't require much intelligence to see a problem. It requires a level of clarity. But, but that's about it. The reality is seeing a problem doesn't make the world a better place, does it? And, and Philip was able to see the problem very clearly. But rather than turning to Jesus and just saying, look, I know... I know uh, you do all these miracles, you can do something, right? <laughs> Jesus is the, the best resource that we have. Oftentimes, I find myself falling into this, this space of, of taking on the responsibility of, of coming up with the best idea. And I think guys are just sort of wired this way. And, and we struggle with this a lot. And I'm learning more and more that all I need to do is find the best idea. I think we spend a lot of our lives trying to tell God what we can't do rather than asking God what he can do through us. I, I wonder how many of you this morning are actually spending your time telling God what he can't do, what, telling God what you need, telling God what you want. And honestly, if that's what your prayer life sounds like, you're missing out on the power of prayer. It's, it's about asking and, and listening. Do you see your life as an opportunity? Because Jesus is the ultimate source Every time you see a problem, uh, every time you see a crisis, every time you see a challenge, every time you see 5,000 people that God's asking you, that's placed in front of you, and he's saying, what are you going to do? Do you see that as an opportunity? 
Is it perhaps God inviting you into a conversation, into a story, into something that's bigger than just you, but he wants to use you and I? I, I think, think about this. The moment you can see a problem that's bigger than yourself, could it be perhaps God is inviting you into a story? Um, the, I, the idea of him being the solution is so hard for us to remember on a minute-to-minute basis, isn't it? So there's this proximity thing. It's being present, and then there's this idea of opportunity. And the last aspect I want to highlight in this story um, is generosity. And I think the context for any miracle, as you'll see in the Bible, is always sacrifice. Always. So verse verse 8, I want to hop back here for a minute. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, here's a boy with five small small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? So do you think this kid was just sort of standing there and the disciples were like, hey, this dude's got food. Let's just take his lunch. No, I, I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> well, let's hope not. I would like to think that the kid actually, you know, wanted to give it to him, the little packed lunch that his mom packed him. And, and Philip and Andrew are thinking like logical adults, as we all do all, all the time. That's the, what we're taught. Um, but this little kid... <laughs> it's great. Do, do you notice that little kids don't ever think rationally? They're, and they have full faith that you can do something. My best friend's daughter, Sydney, she's like three and a half years old. And um, she's, she's so cute and amazing. And I have the fun part, like I get to give her ice cream and candy and then hand her back and stuff. So, But when I'd go over and visit, and you know, we'd sit down and well, we never sit down. She's like tearing around the house. And, and finally, you know, we'll, we'll talk and she'll look me dead in the eye, straight in the eye. And with no doubt, with no fear, ask me for something and believe with full faith that I can do it, right? I want to go to the moon. I want the moon now. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't, I haven't been to NASA. I don't think I can do that. What about a picture of my moon on the phone? Does that count? Or, or I want to go flying. I want to go on the plane now. Go, okay, I don't own a plane. I know a pilot, but it'd probably take a while. How about we go in my car, and I'll put the top down, and we'll just drive down the street. Does that count? And that usually works. So, but the idea of, they, they just ask. And here's this kid <laughs> who's like, hey, I got five loaves and two fish. I got, you want this? And he probably thought that this could actually feed them. And, and I, I love the fact that there's a ridiculous giant-sized problem, and Jesus solves it with a ridiculous answer. I don't think I would have thought of that. And I, the funny thing is, the more you read the story, I really am not sure the disciples wanted to even give up their eight-month salary because this was what they sort of had saved up to travel with Jesus along the way so they'd have food and, you know, wherever they need to spend the night. They didn't want to spend it. They wanted to survive. And why would they blow it all in one moment that doesn't even feed everyone? I, I wonder if there needs to be a, a shift in our thinking, in my thinking, um, the moment I start to look at a problem and then I look at my resources, most of the time, they don't connect. I, I realize I'm under-resourced. I, I can't do this. Not by myself, at least. And I, and I think that's why there's so many unsolved problems in the world. We, we look at these challenges and they become so overwhelming, we just walk away or we give up, or we settle, we become complacent. And the amazing thing about this story, the best part about this story is God does more with the person who has less. 
He does more with the person who had less. I think oftentimes we expect God to use the person that has the eight-month salary, that has the resources, that has the talent, that has the connections, that has the education, because that's who I would choose, right? That's who you would choose. But I wonder, I wonder if our greatest obstacle is how much we have or how much I think I have, how much you think you have, how much talent you think you have, how, mo- how valuable you think you really are. And maybe the shift is not getting more so we can do more, but knowing and seeing how God can take less and do something extraordinary in life. This morning, I want to uh, encourage you to look at your life. And are we present? Are we, are we really present? Are you here this morning? Or is your mind already gone? Are you thinking about the day? Are you thinking about the week? When we pray, are we, are we really present? Are we um, looking for opportunities? Do we see challenges as just the flip side, the back side of an opportunity? Or is it something we walk away from because we're under-resourced again and again and again? And are we living a life that is generous? Are we willing to, to give our lives away to God to see him bring a solution through you and I? Because, because he's really, that's really what he wants for both, both of us. That's really why Christ put himself on the cross. And so we have the Holy Spirit. We, we have something that I so often forget I have every day. I need to be reminded day in and day out that God is the solution. He's the one that our souls are drawn to. If we just listen, we step a little more in that direction, I believe that you you will start to find more hope and more momentum, more change, and and more solutions in your life and in the life of the people around you. God is the solution. Can we pray together? Lord, we, uh, we know who you are, God. We recognize that. But, and I, I know most of us aren't supposed to be a, a Winston Churchill or a Mother Teresa or, or maybe some, known in some large way. But, but maybe, maybe we'll be like this little kid. And if all you give us is five loaves and two fish, then, then that's what we want to give back. We just want to be uh, close enough to the problem, to be invited into the solution. I, I pray that in our lives, um, through all the moments, the challenges, that we would see these as opportunities, that you are in control, that you are sovereign, that although we may be under-resourced, we know that through you, all things are possible. And this morning, Lord, I pray for every man and woman and child in this space and all the people that they represent, that your spirit would be undeniable in their lives, that you would be a constant reminder to them and to this community that all things are possible through you. And that when we see challenges, when we see problems, we don't need to shy away, but we can walk forward in full faith that you are right there with us. Give us the wisdom. Give us the patience in our relationships. Give us the creativity in our jobs and our careers. Give us the ability to move forward and, and be a blessing, not just to our families, but to everyone 
we come in contact with. We know this is possible, and we pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.